Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And on your screen right now, you see Rocksteady Studios, video game developer extraordinaire with an important announcement. It was six years ago today that Batman Arkham Knight made its way into the hands of all of our fans. Thank you all for keeping Gotham safe through all these years. Now that important announcement isn't maybe what you think it might have been just clicking on the thumbnail, although there is a giant Golf Clash logo on it, but it is nonetheless still very important to what we're about to discuss today. Now, before we get into the substance there, it is that time again. I do want to thank all the Patreon sponsors that help support this channel. If you haven't checked it out, please do go to our Patreon website. You can see the various tiers of support, and one of those tiers is helping to support the channel directly on a monthly basis uh, with some acknowledgement here in these videos. And this month, June 2021, we've got two such sponsors in Tavern Keeper and Dragon Girl, and I just want to extend my sincere appreciation for those folks. Again, if you're interested in seeing your name up here or otherwise helping support the channel and videos like ones on WB Games, please do consider checking out the Patreon. Now, in respect of WB Games, it was only last month, as long as these months might seem, that we talked about this major set of acquisitions and a transaction between AT&T and their Warner Group and Discovery, in which they announced that they were going to be making a new kind of company. Well, how was that described in Axios? Said AT&T and Discovery have agreed to create a joint venture that would house Warner Media's premium entertainment, sports, and news assets with Discovery's nonfiction and international entertainment and sports businesses. The companies announced on Monday. This is about the middle of May. The Axios article would then go on to say it's a major course correction for AT&T. And again, check out that earlier video if you want more of the specifics here. But suffice it to say that AT&T is getting out of the content generation business. They're taking those assets. They're putting them into a third company that will still predominantly be under AT&T control, but with some discovery control added as well. And discovery executives really running the content creation ship. And one of the question for viewers of virtual legality and just video gamers in general was what in the world is going to happen to WB Games? They're a part of that Warner Media Group. They have a lot of developers that make a lot of big things. And as of that announcement last month, we really didn't have an answer to that question. As Steven Totillo said, WB Games is getting broken up somehow due to AT&T's Warner Media Discovery sales slash merger. Some of the gaming arm will stay with AT&T and some will go with the new company. Rep tells Axios's Sarah Fisher, no further info. WB Games lists 11 studios, games for all kinds of IP and devices. IGN had a little bit, but not a ton more information where they said, what's happening with Warner Brothers Interactive? This one's a bit more confusing. AT&T told IGN that Part of Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment will be sold off, but not all. The 11 studios that comprise WBIE includes everything from Warner Brothers Games, direct connection to DC Comics, to NetherRealm Studios that makes Mortal Kombat, and other companies that make things like Lego, TT Games. And so we had this kind of open question, and we will continue to have this open question as we conclude this video, just as a word of warning, about what this kind of sell-off slash separation would look like. And yet today we had the first kind of domino falling here in a press release from Electronic Arts. Electronics Arts acquires Playdemic, makers of the highly successful Golf Clash mobile game from Warner Brother Games and AT&T. And if you're just listening to this video or if you're just a core gamer that's looking for console information about Batman and about Netherrealm and things like that, 
hold on, because while this might not seem all that pertinent to what WB Games and AT&T is doing, it might well be. There are some lines in this press release that are unusual, that don't really relate to this transaction specifically, but are instead seemingly intended to give a few more contours as to what is even happening behind the scenes. Now, I also want to take a step back to suggest that what has happened since mid-May to now late June isn't really that usual for how these kinds of transactions happen. You usually get more of a specific statement when actual documentation is entered into describing exactly what assets are moving around or equity if you're actually spitting off a different company. Here, at least from all outward appearances, it seems like they announced this transaction very early to get in front of some of the news items that happen with respect to TV and media creation in the middle of May, just by historical happenstance. That's when a lot of announcements are made. And in so doing, they've kind of been piecing together the details of what this all means on the fly, uh, which isn't to say there aren't armies of lawyers discussing all these things, but it is to say that they might not themselves know exactly what's happening. They might be conducting backroom auctions on all sorts of assets in various kinds of packages. And this is just the first to kind of come to fruition or what they say in this press release might be more accurate. So let's talk about what they actually say. Today, Electronic Arts, AT&T, and WarnerMedia announced the sale of Warner Brother Games' Playdemic Limited, the mobile game studio responsible for Golf Clash, to EA. Under the terms of the agreement, EA will acquire Playdemic for $1.4 billion in cash. Now, there's a couple of important things there. First of all, yep, this game company that makes a game called Golf Clash that I haven't played, maybe you haven't played, is apparently popular enough, really on its own, to justify a north of $1 billion sales price in cash. And that just goes to show you, I made a video uh, a little bit earlier this month about E3 and it not working out and perhaps mobile needs to be brought into this thing a little bit more. And a lot of people decried that mobile is cancer, all these various things. Now, I don't believe that inherently, but I think if you are interested in following the business of making interactive entertainment, mobile has to have a seat at that table in some important respect. Electronic Arts, core game maker, but also mobile game maker. And it's worth following if you are interested in things like the business and law of video games because a lot of money is moving into those areas for purchases like Golf Clash. The other thing I wanted to mention here is that in cash bit of language is very, very important. One of the reasons AT&T is doing all of this is because they never really bounced back from the original sale of assets to them in 2018. And so they're carrying all of this debt and they're getting out of the content creation business because they've got red in their accounting books that they are trying to squash and they're selling off assets to do it. So a cash purchase price is often more beneficial to a company in those states than something that's cash and equity or promises for later or whatever it might be. So EA being able to pony up the Brinks truck and give a satchel of $1.4 billion in cash set it on the desks of AT&T, that might be even more beneficial than someone that's trying to pay with equity or contingencies or promissory notes or whatever that might look like. So the in-cash portion is important because if you're thinking about who can buy these other assets, maybe NetherRealm gets spun off, maybe Rocksteady Studios, maybe somebody else, you should also be thinking about who has the cash on hand to do it because a lot of these things are often done with a combination of cash and equity. And of course, the gorilla in the room is who has the most cash. 
that's almost always going to be Microsoft. And certainly a lot of people have DM'd me and asked me questions about whether I think Microsoft is buying the whole thing or various aspects of the WB Games infrastructure. And I tell you this, Microsoft's lawyers are very good. Microsoft's executives are very good. And they won't be leaking that out to anybody because they aren't driving up the price of whatever assets they want to purchase. Now, you can get into situations where WB or AT&T might try to do that. Uh, but as we've talked about in prior videos, that can squash the negotiations pretty easily. So if Microsoft or anyone else is involved in assessing the value or potentially purchasing these assets, it behooves every potential buyer to try to keep that quiet, uh, which is probably why we're seeing such silence there. The other reason we might be seeing such silence is because of what actually comes up in this press release. So the first thing we get is a quote from David Haddad, the president of Warner Brother Games. And he says some of the usual stuff, a little gilding the lily. We have enjoyed working with the talented team at Playdemic as they have grown Golf Clash beyond all expectations into a hit mobile game with tremendous longevity. While we have great respect for the Playdemic team, and here's where some interesting things are said, our decision to divest is a part of our overall strategy to build games based on Warner Brothers storied franchises. Now, we're all sitting here on the outside trying to figure out what AT&T is thinking with respect to Warner Brothers, with respect to Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, WB Games, and we get a little snippet of what that thought process might be here, which is to say we want to focus on things that otherwise build up our own intellectual property, that Golf Clash doesn't have that Harry Potter combination, doesn't have that Batman-DC Comics combination, doesn't have something that fuels the rest of our asset value. So we've made this popular thing. We don't necessarily want to be in the business of making things that are ancillary to our value. And so that's what we are going to seek to shop, which raises the question... Is Mortal Kombat something that WB Games views as a storied franchise? They just released a movie about Mortal Kombat. Is Lego. Now, Lego isn't traditionally thought of as a big-time combination with Warner Brothers specifically, although the Lego movies use Warner Brothers assets and things of that nature. How do they feel about that particular intellectual property? Is TT up for sale? Rocksteady would appear to be covered by this kind of notion of storied franchises. They make things about DC Comics. They make the tremendously successful and popular Batman games. So they would appear, based on this kind of notion, which you have to take with a grain of salt because it's in a press release about a completely different transaction, but based on this notion to be protected when we're talking about what Warner Brothers isn't seeking to sell. Same goes for the makers of Hogwarts Legacy, I believe that's Avalanche, and they will stay in the family if this kind of notion is to be believed. And we'll get to one other notion as we proceed with this press release. Then we get some other quotes from, of course, Electronic Arts. Why did they buy it? Playdemic is a team of true innovators, and we're thrilled to have them join the Electronic Arts family. In addition to the ongoing success of Golf Clash, the talent, technology, and expertise of Playdemic will be a powerful combination with our teams and IP at Electronic Arts. This is the next step, building on our strategy to expand our sports portfolio and accelerate our growth in mobile to reach more players around the world with more great games and content. So, kind of typical, hey, Investors, why did we just spend 1.4 billion of your dollars? Here's why. We think that we can use not just Golf Clash to increase revenue, but that the ability of the people that make Golf Clash to bring that into Madden or FIFA or whatever is going to also multiply the revenues that you can expect. Trust us, investors. And that's normal. 
The acquisition of Playdemic is part of EA Mobile's growth strategy focused on delivering exciting new experiences for EA's network of nearly half a billion players around the world. And then we get Playdemic saying, hey, of course, we love to be sold to a brand new parent entity. Great. Joining EA, one of the most successful game companies in the world, is an important next step in our journey. And we are excited to continue to develop both Golf Clash and new titles as part of the EA family. Now, the interesting part of this from a kind of relationship and uh, personnel-based perspective is that Playdemic, to the extent they got money, they got money when they sold to Warner Brothers and AT&T. They don't necessarily get money on this angle, except for the equity that they might hold uh, in one of those enterprises. And so this isn't the time when they make all the money. They made all the money to the extent that they did so when they sold out. Uh, to AT&T and Warner Brothers in the first place. Then we get a random aside. First, you get the normal stuff. The purchase price for the transaction is subject to customary adjustments and will be paid in cash at closing and retained by AT&T, which is interesting in and of itself, right? The parent company here would appear to be somebody in the Warner Brothers family, but it's going all the way up to to the main parent, AT&T. Why? Because they're carrying all that debt and they want to avoid uh, a bunch of different transactions to make that happen. So they're going to keep the cash from this sale And then the following, which I think has been skipped by a lot of the places which have been reading the news out on this. The remaining Warner Brothers games portfolio is included in the recently announced Warner Media Discovery transaction and will become part of the combined media and entertainment company after the expected close of that transaction. Now, that has nothing to do with Electronic Arts buying the makers of Golf Clash. This is a little bit of an aside, very similar to our decision to our decision to divest as a part of our overall strategy to build games based on Warner Brothers storied franchises that is suggestive to investors at the AT&T level in respect of this, that we aren't planning right this second, right this moment to spin off anything else that the rest of the studios, the people making Hogwarts, the people making Batman, the people making Mortal Kombat, or what have you, are going to go into the Discovery Warner Brothers entity. I think it's called Warner Brothers Discovery in a fit of creativity. And so you should be aware that that's the current plan. It doesn't mean that things can't change, right? This should probably have on it a little forward-looking statements language bit, and it does at the end of this. It says, hey, everything that we say that hasn't happened yet That's all forward-looking. You can't hold us to it. But right now, as of this moment, this sale is suggested by the language of this press release to be the only one that AT&T and Warner Brothers is actually looking at doing. Why? I don't know. Because NetherRealm does occasionally make comic books facing fighting games uh, because Hogwarts is Hogwarts and because everything else is DC Comics, perhaps. Or perhaps they're just not ready to announce anything that is currently being sought after in their portfolio. Either way, since so many people have asked me, I do think that you should take a release like this and say, this might well be where it ends. Because when you are negotiating a transaction like a joint venture of the size and scope that Warner Media Discovery is going to have, and I think it's Warner Brothers Discovery, uh, actually, then one of the things that you actually have to isolate as part of that transaction is what assets are you putting in? Right? You go back to the Axios piece here and you see that AT&T is going to get 71% of the company. Discovery is going to get 29%. All of that is based on some definite understanding of what each side is actually putting into the bucket of assets at this enterprise. And so, yes, there can be a certain amount of ambiguity and 
unclarity as to what's going to go in there to get my 71%. But at some level, that has to be established because the reason Discovery is getting 29% and not 40% is because XYZ and more companies' assets are going into this bucket. And if they weren't, if they were going to be sold to Microsoft or whomever, this number would change. So there has to be a certain amount of understanding between the parties or that is all going to move around as part of the negotiation. So as this gets closer to fruition, and it might be still a ways away because this appears to have been announced so early, you will start to see a bit more certainty as to where these things are going. And right this second, the most likely answer appears to be that Warner Brothers Discovery is going to take all of these game companies and they're going to make games to increase the value of the other storied franchises of Warner Brothers. To get more understanding, we'll just have to wait and see what happens from here. Thanks again to our Patreon sponsors, Tavern Keeper and Dragon Girl for June 2021. And again, if you are interested in supporting the channel, please do consider visiting our Patreon, Streamlabs, the store to buy something, or most importantly, just subscribing, ringing the bell, giving upvotes, downvotes, comments, everything that helps the Google algorithm, and posting this in forums and telling your friends that we're having these conversations about the business and law of video games here at Virtual Legality. If you did catch this episode on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.